Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 78 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to hear from the youngest person to run 100 marathons. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 78 hi hi ryan and hello to all of our listeners new and old we're ryan and letty and we're the hosts of this weekly running podcast and lately, we've been doing a lot of race recaps and training information. So today, we're going to change it up a bit and give you something of more of an inspirational content. But before we do that, we wanted to thank you listeners for all the amazing feedback we've been getting, messages, Instagram follows, and some reviews. They really make our day. We'll have to see who can be the record holder for most five-star reviews. Well, hopefully our show. <laughs> So anyway, um, it's nice to hear from the listeners. Last week, for instance, we had a podcast episode about tips on how to BQ, not barbecue to Boston qualify. And we did that solely because one of our listeners had reached out and said he wanted to hear that type of content. So, so if you want a certain topic covered, then reach out to us. And if it's reasonable and running related, then we'll get right on it. And popular topics like that are what keep our podcast growing. Speaking of growing, your age has been growing. <laughs> you had a birthday. I did have a birthday. and then We were supposed to go on a trip. Did you tell? I think we were, were you telling people we were going to go on a trip. We were going to be in Mexico for my um, birthday. I almost said the number, but I don't want to. We were supposed to go to, to Mexico, but we were caught in the one in five cancellations American Airlines did. And then all the rest of the flights were excessively expensive. So we decided to stay home. But that was a birthday trip. But what other significant things happened on your <clears throat> birthday? Oh, I take the bait and I bite. I published my first book. Not running related. Not running related. So for those of you that don't know me, it's Which been, is pretty much everyone. Which is, yes. Because <laughs> I don't think my friends listen to the podcast. Some of them probably do. <laughs> so it's been a dream of mine to... Be an author, actually. But then when I was 17, I moved to the United States. So that dream took the back seat because I had to learn English and still working on that, apparently. And uh, anyway, so then when I became a mom, I decided I'm going to, um, since I had so much time on my hands staying home, I'm going to write a fiction book. So it's a crime fiction book. And it talks about the topic of the student loan epidemic and raises the question of what a person is willing to do to forego her debt. So that's all I'll say. And I will link this book on Amazon so you can check it out if you want to. And just be sure to not take out your criticism on my book on my podcast ratings because that's a completely <laughs> separate thing. You can do that on Amazon. <laughs> 
So yeah, Ryan, thank you for bringing that up. I am proud of you for doing that. Thank you. That's I mean, you're just writing a book. It's That's a, a lot of work. I don't think I could do it. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. So anyway, back to running. So today's topic, as we've revealed in the preview, is about a person, a young lady. Her name is Jocelyn Rivas. She is from LA. She's the youngest person and youngest female and also youngest Latina to run 100 marathons. She started doing that when she was only 17 years old, got hit by the pandemic, as all of us did, which means a lot of race cancellations, which delayed her finishing this, but she still managed to be the youngest person to do that. It's quite an accomplishment. Yes, for a 24-year-old, that's a lot of marathons under your belt. What moved me most about her is the message that she's actually trying to convey because, you know, she's a DACA recipient. So you're an immigration attorney, which is why you know about this stuff. But tell people maybe that don't know what a DACA recipient is. Yeah, so it's the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, which is basically a United States immigration policy that allows some individuals with unlawful presence that are here, so to speak, illegally after being brought to this country as children to receive a renewable employment authorization in the United States. So they will be eligible to go to school and do things that otherwise they would not be eligible for. That program has been in this country since 2012. And then in the last administration, they were actually trying to phase out that program, which made things a little bit more difficult. And Jaslyn will tell you how that was actually a motivator for her to start this 100 marathon challenge. Part of the beauty of running in a community like that is it can show that everyone's the same and it doesn't matter where your background comes from. Is that what she's trying to portray? That's exactly her message to people. Now people know a person that has DACA status. She's just a normal runner, just like all of us. That's an impressive accomplishment on its own, but especially when you have outside factors that may try to prevent you from achieving your goal. To overcome all that is is impressive. Yeah, but we've seen it so much, Ryan, too, that whenever somebody has a wrench thrown into their way, that people actually perform better under pressure when the odds are against them, because that's when we try harder. Makes the drive stronger when someone... I think that's true in a lot of cases. If someone tells you you can't do something or you're unable to do something, it, it makes your drive stronger to prove them wrong or to achieve that so with that um we will talk no further and we will now play the interview with world record holder jocelyn rivas all right so i'm here with jocelyn rivas jocelyn welcome and i want to start by congratulating you um on two world records first one being youngest person to run a hundred marathons and the other one is female youngest female to run a hundred marathons. So huge congratulations and welcome. Uh, hi, Letty. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And so we have so much to talk about and so much to unpack. And I want to kind of start with, I guess, chronologically, when you're born against all odds, you were probably, or your family wasn't expecting you to ever be able to run a hundred marathons, let alone one. So perhaps you can start by introducing yourself and telling us what was going on back then. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're 100% right. When you say, you know what, my family never even thought I was going to run a marathon. Um, I was born with a broken back, neck and feet in El Salvador. And as you know, a poor country at that time in 1997, 
Um, well, my family didn't, my mom didn't have anything uh, when it comes to money. So basically I was born that way. And they told my mom there might be a chance that she might not survive. There also might be a chance if she does survive that she might not be able to walk like a normal person. Um, there was just so much unknown. Um, the doctors there are knowledgeable, but at the same time, they were not specialists. And so my mom didn't have the money to go to a specialist and do all of that. So the only thing that was offered was physical therapy and for me to be carried with the pillow. And so essentially, that's how I was brought into this role. All broken, not gonna, but it was definitely, you know, um, it was hard times for my mom. So they definitely never even thought, you know, I would run 100 marathons. Yeah, no kidding. They probably were happy when they saw you developing normally and um, yes. your bones mending back together. And then eventually you started running. So take us forward to when you started running and how did that happen? Yeah, I started running. Uh, well, you know, in high school, they normally always make you run one mile. So I had to do that one mile and I remember not liking it. But I remember also being competitive and wanting to always be one of the top girls to finish. Um, that's like my first memory of running, which is, you know, in middle school or high school, I believe, where they made us run one mile. Um, I did have some friends that were part of the program called Students Run LA, which is a program that helps, you know, low-income students um, run a marathon. They provide shoes, they provide gear. And they also provide, um, you know, race fees so you don't have to pay for that. It's also a way for you to kind of st uh, stay in a good path, essentially, because, you know, L.A., um, you know, you can say a lot of there could be different paths you can take in life. And so they try to keep, you know, those students motivated. I went to support my friend at the 2013 L.A. Marathon and I was in mile 18 or 20. I don't remember, but it was one of those miles. And it was when you see everyone struggling, they're already hitting the wall. But I saw so many young people out there, kids like six years old. And then we also I saw like people that were like in their 70s running. And I just saw like a big range of like, you know, everyone running. And I was just like, why am I not out there? Like, that was literally my question. Why am I not out there? And so the following year in which was essentially like six months later, I started, um, I signed up with Sunas Run LA and that's how I started my journey to, you know, running and training for my first marathon. That's awesome. And it's awesome to see you catching that bug. You know, it's like you said, running people are an amazing community, all ages. And that that's really cool to hear. So you caught the marathon bug and then how did you go from doing one marathon or first of all, how was your first marathon? It was students run LA in LA and yeah. how did it feel to finish that? So yeah, my first marathon was the 2014 LA marathon. It was a very hot marathon. It was like in the nineties, like early nineties, but, but essentially that day was more about proving to my mom proving her wrong because she told me I couldn't run a marathon. So it was more just to prove her wrong. You know, like you're kind of like a rebel kid. You're like 17 years old. And you just want to prove your parent wrong, you know? So it was just to prove her wrong. But by the time I got to that finish line, I realized I love this. I really love this. And I was like, as much as it was to prove my mom wrong, that's when I realized 
I love running long distance. And I had already done other races, 18 miles, which I felt great in, which I loved. I had done, you know, 15Ks and half marathons. But obviously crossing that finish line to the LA Marathon was, I guess that's when I saw like anything was possible. It was like, it opened up my mind and it made me see like, wow, like you really could accomplish anything. And it was that feeling that really I got hooked into. And I guess I wanted to feel that again. So literally after I crossed that finish line, I was like maybe like a minute after getting my medal. Oh man, when can I run my next one? Literally, <laughs> that was my thought. And you know, it was my first marathon. Obviously, it was super hard and difficult because there's rolling hills and it was super hot. Even firefighters had to come out. Um, yeah, it was it was in, it was an interesting one, but it was the most special marathon of my life. Yes, that first one is always always the one. And um, so yeah, so then we talked earlier a little bit off air. Can you tell our listeners how running one marathon, despite, you know, besides what you just mentioned of loving it, how did that turn into wanting to run a hundred marathons? Um, yeah, so definitely uh, I am a DACA recipient. Um, basically, I came here when I was six years old. I came in 2003. I was just six years old. And yeah, I think um, I started going to school. So, you know, when I came, My mom kind of explained to me like later in the years, like, oh, you're undocumented kind of in a way. Like, you know, you won't be able to go to college like most kids will. So I guess just she was trying to set the expectation for me, trying to tell me, hey, like you probably would just go from high school and go straight to work, like, you know, in a restaurant or wherever you would like that you could do with the diploma. But um, essentially, she told me you're undocumented. Um, you are going to have to work harder to achieve the things that maybe, you know, your classmates can achieve, you know? Um, and at that point, I also didn't know English. So I was learning English too, but I understood it. I was just like, okay. But luckily in 2012, uh, Obama came up with DACA, which essentially gave me the ability to work and to go to college and essentially chase my dreams um, it is not the perfect program, but it is the program that has changed my life into better. So when it came up to, you know, um, there being a chance of me becoming, you know, undocumented again, essentially, um, that's when I was very in a rough place, you can say. Um, I wasn't doing good in school either. And I think that was just because of the news of, you know, possibly getting DACA, uh, DACA taken away from me. And I was all, I mean, I had just gotten out of a relationship and it was just like a lot of bad, not bad things, but a lot of not good things happening to me. And it was all at the same time. And I was just like, that's it. My life is over, you know, kind of like, you know, when you think, oh, it's over. But I was just like, so I guess I was such in a bottom place where I was just like, like, this is not me. I need to do something, you know. and that's when I thought about running 100 marathons. And my reason was, you know what, I just want to prove to people that dreamers are here to do good. Uh, we just want to chase our dreams. We just want to be given that opportunity to, you know, do us to work as hard as we can and to chase those dreams. That was essentially 
why I started 100 marathons. And that's literally how I went from six marathons at that time to 100. But it was a journey of just, I guess, showcasing what a dreamer can do. And so more people could put a face to a dreamer because many people talk about dreamers and they just simply don't know a dreamer. They just be, and that's because some dreamers decide not to share, which is 100, you know, 100% okay. But I, on the other hand, I was just like, I'm okay sharing it. I'm going to share that I'm a dreamer because sometimes you do need to speak up. You need to speak up and say, I'm a dreamer. This is me. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And I'm just one dreamer out of, you know, thousands of dreamers out there. And I hope that, you know, this message of maybe me breaking 100 just showcases that. And they could put a face and be like, oh, wow, now I know a dreamer. Now, you know what? Maybe they're not who I thought I, maybe they're not who, you know, I thought they were, you know? So hopefully this message gets there at some point. You said that very beautifully. Um, and, and I think that's exactly what people need is to know someone because we can always judge something that we don't know, but if we can put a face to a concept that also really, really helps. So before we hop into logistics, let's talk about the rules of the Guinness world record holders and um, what it entails. So in order to achieve both records, What did you have to do? Um, what was your timeline? And uh, were there specific race courses? Did they have to be certified? And what did you have to document all of this? Yeah, definitely. So Guinness World Record has like a lot of guidelines and it's kind of crazy. But during my 100 journey, they added more rules into my rec into the record I was trying to break. So in the beginning, they only had a few rules, but then they added more, which I'm like, You guys are making it harder for me. Like, I already ran some of these. I can't go back and ask for a witness. So they require for you to have two witnesses in every race. Uh, it could be someone who ran. It could also be the race director. But they need to verify the race director and that two witnesses that were there. Um, they also need to verify that the marathons are certified. And at the same time... Um, that it's an official race, meaning that anyone can register for the marathon. So it has to be an official race too. Um, other things that they have is like, yeah, they would want you to have photos, videos, and obviously for the results to be available. Um, but if the results are not available, uh, they're okay with the letter from the race director confirming that. Um, luckily, all the results I have, they're online. So I haven't had to do that yet um right now i actually have not made the submission because i was waiting for this one for 100 to submit it um it does take i think roughly four to eight weeks for them to respond back to me so hopefully you know i'm able to hear from them very soon i believe if you if you pay you do get to hear from them sooner <laughs> but i'm like i don't know if i want to pay <laughs> but uh yeah it's a lot of um It's a lot of kind of like proof, like videos, photos, um, obviously your results. Um, what else? Yeah, just a lot. You have to have witnesses and just for them to be certified. That's a whole process that involves a yeah. lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I never thought that. I was like, 
And it's funny because in the beginning, they never had witnesses. They never had that as an additional thing. But they added like when I was already like in my 70s marathon. And I was like, the crazy thing is that I always travel by myself. I never have, you know, a significant other. I don't have my mom. I don't have my sister or a friend going with me. So I was like, how am I going to get a witness? So I posted on my story like, hey, have you seen me run a marathon? Because I know some people post it with a hashtag like, oh, you know, maybe Kansas Marathon. And so sometimes I remember seeing those people. So I was like, hey, do you remember seeing me in the marathon? They're like, yeah, we took a selfie. And I was like, OK, you can be my witness. <laughs> so it's things like that, that I had to do some research on, you know. Oh, wow. That's awesome that you were able to go back and at least get that covered. All right. So then the idea was born and your story a little bit reminds me of the story of Julie Weiss. As you know, she's also an LA marathon ambassador. We've had her on episode 12 because she ran 52 marathons in 52 weeks. So I'm kind of going to ask you the same questions that I asked her and they were mostly about logistics because Planning 100 marathons within a certain time limit, you were limited by the time of not aging out in order to accomplish this. The person prior to you was also 24. So you had to be 24 years and a few days less than that person. So what was the plan behind all this? What was the timing, the training, the budgeting, and how is one able to do this, taking all this into consideration? Yeah, definitely. You know what? I know you mentioned Julie, and I actually ran my 100 with her. I ran 20 miles of my 100 marathon with her. I had never ran a marathon with her, or like, you know, the most we had done it was a 5K. So it was so great to have her. And she was actually one of those people that helped me in this journey um, because she has so much information. She had done 52 marathons in, two, in 52 weeks. So I actually reached out to her, asked her help, and she was able to support me in this journey. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, for me personally, when I started this journey, um, I, I didn't know her, but um, I was still in college. So I was not earning good money. I think I was only earning like I maybe $12 an hour still or $10 an hour. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, I was working at Menchie's, which was I was just a manager there, but, you know, I wasn't getting paid as a manager either, uh, which is sometimes it happens, you know. Um, but after that, I just kept working. And obviously, I always save money. I just worked so much that I didn't even have time to spend the money. <laughs> and so it was good that, you know, I was just kind of collecting the money. And so I was using that money to run my marathons. At that time, I was only running like I think it was only six marathons a year at that time. Only six, which was, you know, you're like, only. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I was doing like one every two months, you, you could kind of say. And so it kind of, it's a one, yeah, one every two months or so. And so it kind of gave me time to, you know, save up money, even though I was earning so little. Um, but then obviously, you know, you want to become better. I started applying to other jobs and luckily I was able to get a job at Apple um, as a specialist. And essentially with that, I was earning a lot more money than, you know, what I was previously earning. And then again, I was working so much 
that I didn't have time to spend the money. And I also, you know, at that time I was paying very little rent. I was still living with my mom. And so I think at that time she was only charging me like $300 a month, which is obviously so little. Now that I look at it, so little. But at that time I was just like, it's a good amount. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously that helped, you know, um, living with my mom. But I would not travel outside of Southern California. Um, but obviously, as you keep running, you hear, you know, oh, there's this marathon out there. And essentially, at some point um, in the beginning, I was actually only going for the record for youngest Latina to run 100 marathons, which is not a Guinness World Record. It's just a world record. That's the record I started this journey with. And later on in 2019, the LA Marathon reaches out to me and they tell me, hey, we have partnered up with Guinness World Record and they have actually uh, notified us that you're in pace to become the youngest person and woman to run 100 marathons. At that time, I had only done like 16, I think, marathons. And I was like, what? I think it was 16 or 20, something like that. I think it was only 16 or 20. Um, or I might be wrong. Honestly, I don't even know what number it was. But it was like <laughs> early in my marathons. And I was like, what? they're like yeah you could definitely do it like if you you know just start running more marathons and I was like oh damn here I go so I went from like six marathons I think to 12 to 24 to 27 in a year um so in 2009 2019 I ran 27 marathons in 2020, I was supposed to do the same thing as Julie, which was 52 marathons uh, in 52 weeks. She was the one who inspired me with that idea, obviously. And I was going to do the same thing she did. But then third month hits, March 8th, right after the LA Marathon, the country shuts down, essentially. And I was just like, that's it. It's over my journey. That's it. I was only able to get to 56 only halfway through and I was just like I'm giving up <laughs> I was looking for marathons because you had to make sure that they were certified and I did hear that there were some marathons going out um like nearby Southern California but they were not certified so I was like what's the point of me running it you know it's not going to count but yeah throughout the that time I was just I, I took those four months off and then in July I heard about a marathon happening that was going to happen in August, finally. And it was going to become the first marathon that was going to be available during COVID-19. And they were only letting 30 people register. It was in Minnesota. So I had to travel from California all the way to Minnesota and drive an hour out from Minneapolis, I believe, all the way to Brooklyn Park. And it was only 30 people who were allowed to run the marathon. And I was lucky enough, I was able to register and run the marathon. Um, but you do have, I think we had to run like the first couple miles with the mask, or it was told that we had to run the whole marathon with the mask. But obviously, you know, when you're like, when you don't see anyone around, you're like, okay, let me take it off a bit. <laughs> so that was my first experience running with the mask. But yeah, um, that's essentially the first time where I had already done a few states like what like in the west coast like Oregon um 
what's the other one washington and nevada which was you know still nearby you could say and then essentially that was the first time i went out all the way out just to run a marathon and that was essentially what began the whole journey of me leaving california and traveling every weekend to a different state or a different city um but yeah because all of california's marathons were canceled Yes, I remember that. And I remember I ran that LA Marathon too in 2020. And it literally was kind of the awkward time where you'd board a plane and you didn't know, you know, hopping on there with a bunch of Clorox wipes and you wipe down everything. And then you're hoping that race will still happen, but you're, you know, none of us knew. And then there was a big break. So what states were you able to find certified marathons at? Uh, one of them was Texas. Texas became that state that <laughs> saved my journey. Florida was another one. So I went to Texas a lot. I went to Florida a lot. Um, those were like my top two, Florida and Texas. Those were because uh, they kind of had the state kind of open still. Uh, and if they did, and if I mean, they did have the state open and they did have new rules. You still have to run the first mile or the first couple miles with the mask. And so that was the only way to get them for those marathons to happen, official marathons. I did travel through my whole journey to 19 states. Some of them, I think like five, four or five of them were just prior to COVID-19 and the rest were like during COVID-19. So I traveled to uh, Rhode Island, uh, Florida. Where else did I travel? Um, Louisiana, where else was it? Yeah, Texas. Iowa, um, Kansas, Illinois. It was just like everywhere you could say kind of like, <laughs> kind of like wherever there was a marathon, I was just like, yeah. But essentially I did travel to different states. Um, I only made it to 19, um, but maybe now I'll continue, you know, 50 states, you know how they have the 50 states. Oh yeah. <laughs> the marathons. So I'm like, maybe I'll do that. I'm halfway there, you know. Might as well go for another one. Hey, maybe you'll yeah. be the youngest person to do the 50 states marathons. Uh, I think, no, actually someone very young already has that. I think they're like 10 years old or something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. They were, yeah. They only, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, why didn't you go for another t uh, 50, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, essentially, yeah, that's what happened. You know, it was definitely... A crazy journey, a lot of flights. My first flight, I even told Phil, which is your friend, and he's like, don't do it. He was like, don't do it. You know, like, it's too risky. Everyone was telling me, don't do it. Like, it's not worth it. Or they were telling me it's too risky. You're going to get sick. Like, wait for the vaccine. And at the end, I was just like, I was scared because I was still living. You know, I was paying rent now a lot more. But I was still living with my mom, which she's 52 years old. So I felt like I was exposing her, you know, and I was so scared because um, obviously you don't want to get your parents sick. And I was just like, I hope this journey's worth it because I'm risking everything for it, you know. And I decided to go on the flight. I put three masks on. I literally will not eat in the airplanes like the flight from It's basically, I was flying to the East Coast almost every weekend. It was from California to Florida every time. And it was five hours to five, five hours and a half. And I would never take my mask off, not even to drink water. So sometimes I would run the marathon, shower, get ready, eat, 
go on the um, airport and eat again. And that was the last time I ate right before boarding the plane. And then five hours and, and a half later, I'm back in California and I can eat. And sometimes I would like literally be starving, starving, like after a marathon, you know, like you get hungry, a lot hungrier than normal. And I was like, I can't take it off. I can't take it off because they're like, only take it off for when you're eating. But, you know, the air spreads around the plane. So what's the purpose of me having a mask? So essentially, I was just very, very like panicked. I didn't want to get anyone sick. I knew I was going around. And every single time I would come back on Monday, I would go and get tested. And once I got tested, they told me, hey, you're negative. Okay, I could finally be home and not be wearing a mask. So it was a lot of that. I was wearing a mask at my own house. So it was a lot of, you know, little things that just to prevent, you know, anything. But luckily through my journey, I never got COVID-19. Yeah, no, definitely makes it easier if you were to live by yourself. And since you didn't and, you know, everything you're telling me just tells me that you basically couldn't plan or budget for this because you kind of had to just take it as it came. And um, so you've mentioned your family a couple of times. Can we talk about the supportiveness of your family? You mentioned your mom didn't think you would do your first marathon. Um, how supportive was your family in this whole craziness of uh, running a hundred marathons that you decided to do? Yeah. So when this started, um, my mom didn't want me to run my first marathon And then I told her, hey, mom, I'm going to run my second marathon the following year. And she's like, why? You already proved me wrong. What more do you want? I was like, I want to run it for me, for myself. I liked it. And then she was like, like, she was nodding her head saying, like, no, like, that's it. Like, stop, you know? And I was just like, no, but I like it. And then obviously, I just kept running after, like, you know, my, after I graduated high school. I ran a marathon here and there, and every single time I would call her after like finishing my marathons. That's the first thing I do. It's a tradition. This was only this was the only marathon, the 100 where I didn't call her, and that's because she was there. <laughs> But every single marathon, I call her just to tell her, "Hey, mom, I finish. Hey, mom, I finish. I finish." Just to make sure that she knows I'm okay, because that's her biggest worry for something bad to happen to me. Uh, just because I still feel, you know, back pain and neck pain. And sometimes I have to stop running because I get the pain during the marathon. But essentially, my mom, you know, you could say she wasn't supportive. And even through the beginning, she was, I mean, beginning, not much. But I think after it started, she started being more supportive after COVID. Because she saw that I was really sacrificing a lot, you know. And she, that thing, that's when she saw that I was going to do whatever it took to, like, get there. And she's, like, the least, I guess that's when it took her, like, to say, the least thing I could do is just tell her, like, she, you can do it, you know? She came Which around and she showed up at the finish line. Yeah. So I can't imagine how awesome that was for you. Yeah, you know, that was the 100 marathon was the first, that was the first time she saw me finish. <laughs> so right. then you just finished the last marathon, like we said at LA. Can you tell us how this race was special? What did LA do for you? Um, I know you had a really spectacular finishing and ribbon cutting and all that. Yeah. So the weekends, I mean, the week of the race, 
it starts with Friday. Um, and it literally, you start at the expo, Friday, Saturday, you're at the expo. And then Sunday is race day. Um, and essentially, they told me, hey, we need you to be here in the morning uh, for the open ceremony, which starts at 10 in the morning. Just be here by 9.45. I show up. The, I guess they were talking about who they were going to announce. Like, oh, we have students running late. We have, you know, the legacy runners who are like, oh, my God, they're fabulous. And we have, like, other members or elite runners, ASICs, which is, like, the sponsor for the marathon. And they have, like, they announce certain people. And they're like, hey, we're going to announce you because you're going to break, you know, the Guinness World Record here. And I was like, cool, they're just going to announce me. They're like, and later when we announce you and then we talk about you, we are going to have some people come over you and we're going to ask you to cut the ribbon. And I was like, what? It was crazy. I think that was the most special. I mean, as much as crossing that finish line to 100 marathon, I think, you know, cutting the ribbon to like the open ceremony was pretty cool. I think it's something that just like the day before I was thinking it would be so cool if I was to cut the ribbon because he told me, oh, you're going to go to the open ceremony. I was like, it would be so cool. <laughs> and look, the next day it happened. And I was just like in disbelief. And obviously cutting that ribbon was like amazing. Um, and yeah, it was it was great. After that, I just spent the whole day at the expo, um, you know, kind of like meeting people and also going ahead and doing a few interviews. Then uh, Saturday came up, I went back. I went back as a runner because I have a tradition that I go to the expo on Saturdays at the LA Marathon. I don't go on Fridays. And so I came back on Saturday as a regular runner, going through every single booth, just like every runner and, you know, taking photos, getting free stuff. You know, we love all of that and doing raffles. You know, you want to win some free stuff. And I did win some stuff, but <laughs> some sunglasses, <laughs> but yeah, um, then came the day of the marathon, and he's like, oh, you have a KTLA interview, so it was really nice and everything. I'm starting it. They did announce it at the race start. Oh, Jocelyn's going to break the Guinness World Record when she finishes this marathon, and Rudy, who is the race announcer, well, he's also my friend, and I was just like, okay, like, you know, he's sharing that. Obviously, I ran the marathon. I started with um, two people who had never ran a marathon. So my mission for my 100 was to cross that finish line with someone who had never ran a marathon. Because part of my, my journey of getting to 100 was to also get more people to run marathons or to grow their running community. Some people just don't think they could do something. I'm like, you can do it, you know? It just takes a lot of practice and training. It was a great, it was a great run. I was able to run, you know, I saw a lot of people and when I crossed, when I was coming towards the end, as I was mentioning earlier, um, in mile 25, they had coach, um, David, um, which basically he's a LA road runner coach. And he was waiting for me, I guess. He's like, Hey, I need you to turn, take a left. They're waiting for you at the finish line. So I thought, oh, okay. I took the left. Like he told me, just stay on the left the whole time. And he kept running with me. And then we got the U.S. flag and the Salvadoran flag at mile 25.7. Um, the Rum Runners, which is one of the running groups, they were holding it in the meantime. And 
And I saw that finish line. I was like, oh, my God, that's it. I just got eight more miles to go, 8.2. And I just kept running and running. And then, obviously, we got to that turnaround. And when I see that turnaround, I just see, oh, my God, I see a bunch of cameramen. I see my family there with the big banner. I see, you know, all the spectators in the left side and the right side. It was, to me, it was amazing because I just felt so much cheer and support. And as I kept running, I got closer and closer. And I was like, I can't believe it. I got here. I literally cannot believe I got here. And then I finally crossed that finish line. And when I crossed that finish line, I, I, I cried a bit, but nothing was coming out of my eyes because I, you know, <laughs> I was just so tired. But yeah, at the end, I crossed that finish line. I was able to hug my mom. My sister came over and hugged me too. Then I hugged my friend who had just finished her first marathon, which was so amazing. And yeah, it was it was an amazing journey. They took me up to the stage where like they have the winners. And they took me upstage and they're like, um, they announced me there and then they threw confetti. And I was like, I got my confetti. <laughs> But it was it was really amazing. And then after that, they took me to a press conference, like in a room, and they interview also like the people who ran with me. Um, and it was it was it was it was it was not what I expected. I was not expecting that. But that sounds absolutely amazing. And what a great closing to your uh, hundredth marathon. I mean, that's just a really really cool experience and a good wrap up for it. Yeah, definitely. I I just. I mean, the LA Marathon went above and beyond. Um, when they presented to me, they said, like, the McCourt Foundation was also, like, you know, the one involved since they're the ones, you know, uh, in charge of the marathon. But, yeah, they just went above and beyond. And I never expected that. Never, 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 never. Like, I literally thought I was going to finish and I was just going to cross the finish line like everyone else, you know. I, that was what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So then what's next for you? What have you uh, thought about doing with all your memories? There's a lot out there. People are like, oh, do this, do that. But I'm just like, for me, I think um, the first one is just to, I guess, showcase uh, that one last finish at the LA Marathon. They are doing a small documentary on me on that one. Um, but essentially, like when it comes to like running, I do want to run um, ultra marathons. It's one thing that when I was running marathons, I was just like, I know I done 26 miles and I know I could go further because sometimes in marathons, since they're certified, they make you run more. And so I ended up running sometimes 27 miles in a marathon. So I'm like, and then sometimes you still feel like, you know, you have much more left, but essentially that's how that um, my goal is essentially to run ultra marathoners, I mean, to run ultra marathons. And if it happens where I survive them, I want to do a 100 miler. And then if I survive the 100 miler, then hopefully I'm able to do three of them so I could qualify into bad water, which is something else, which, yeah. But we'll see what happens. We'll have you on for that episode when, whenever that happens. Um, I'd love to stay in touch with you. I'm following you on Instagram and 
Um, I will keep tabs on your accomplishments. And uh, for our listeners that want to hear your story and see your face, um, what is your Instagram handle and where can people get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Instagram is the one where I'm more active. It's Jocelyn the Warrior, J-O-S-E-L-I-N, and then the Warrior. Perfect. Thank you so much for telling us everything that happened. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your story with us. No, thank you, Lely, for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jocelyn, for coming on and for your amazing conversation. Like I said, I hope we keep in touch and that I get to meet you in person because I thought our conversation was quite amazing and you should be super proud of yourself. You've accomplished so much. I wonder what record she's going to achieve next. I think this girl will make it to bad water. Ooh. We'll be following her. So anyway, again, if you want to follow her, she's on Instagram at JocelynTheWarrior. And yeah, that's it for today. Stay tuned till next week. We will come up with some really fun content, hopefully within the next few weeks for the holidays and other things. So until then, happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.